Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to the Heart of Poker sponsored by 888 Poker. For the past four years, I've had the privilege of digging deep into the Heart of Poker's biggest personalities using a modified list of the questions from the 36 questions to fall in love study. After four years and 52 interviews, as my friend David Lappin pointed out to me recently, I now have a full deck and this seems like the right place to draw a close to the podcast that I have really loved doing with all of you. But first... My guest for the final Heart of Poker is Lupe Soto, woman in poker, Hall of Famer, founder of the WPA, Ladies International Poker Series founder and CEO, founder of the Seniors Poker Tour, co-host of the Real Poker Girls of Las Vegas podcast, someone who has been playing poker and pushing for more women in the game for a really long time, and someone I have long said that I would love to see on the ballot for Hall of Fame. Lupe, thank you so much for coming on. Oh gosh, Kara, listen to that intro. It sounds like I'm like old. What? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you're accomplished. (laughs) But man, what, like reading through, and that's an abridged list of the things that you've accomplished in poker. It's got to be so gratifying to know that you've made your mark on this game that you clearly love, you obviously love. You know, I'm it is one of the most incredible journeys so far for me in my life. I just didn't expect this game that I used to, you know, entertain on Friday nights <laughs> with a boyfriend that I sat behind uh, to turn into something that was so passionate and mm. just such a lifelong journey. And and I'm I love every minute of what I do. I really wow. do. Not a lot of people can say that. That I think that's an incredibly special position to be in. And and you have made such a mark on the game. But my question is, you know, how do you think the poker has changed you? What kind of marks are on Lupe? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of the people you know must be through poker as well. For me, that's certainly true. I mean... I've met most of the important people in my life through this game, just that alone. Well, if I can tag along on that, I would have to say that that has been the biggest blessing of this entire journey. Yeah. Um, The game itself is something that I still love to do and play, but it's the relationships. Mm. It's the, the, you know, so, so many relationships in life come and go. But some of those relationships from this game of poker have been sustained throughout my journey and mm-hmm. will be lifelong. And those are the things I treasure the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting having to meet such uh, like-minded people with completely different backstories. And that's the thing I love about poker is we all have so many different stories, but we have this real commonality about loving poker and whatever it is, which part of it that speaks to us. So what what part of poker is it that speaks to you? I think the diversity of the game. Mm. Um, I, <laughs> I'm a mixed game player. And yeah. I think that because of those games itself, it's kept me sharp. Right. It's kept me engaged. It makes uh, all of my life skills more acute. You know, I just, there's so many things about that that has um, enhanced me in in this game for years because I, my background is in social services and yeah. therapy. And so, um, you know, that, that also delves into so many parts of what poker does. Mm-hmm. And 
poker's just given me that opportunity to take it to a social level on top of a professional level. Right. You know, so I I think the biggest part for me is being able to pick out those joys and still maintain a living at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, you've done, you've been involved in so many initiatives and you are involved in so many initiatives in the game and so many organizations and, and all of that kind of not just sitting at the table, but having kind of a say in how the game is shaped. So what is the bit of it that is the most important to you? Kind of what, what project are you looking at or what is the thing that you have been doing that you, you think is really important for you right now? Well, I think that... It's, I'm 65 years old. Mm -hmm. And so at this juncture of my life, I'm looking at what am I doing here? I feel like I've got the next, you know, five to seven years of really putting the icing on the cake. Yeah. So for me, I think the next level is to really hit up the operators of our industry. Right. Yes. We have been talking about women in poker now for 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. So it's time to really challenge operators that are out there making the game happen Mm -hmm. to really have a conversation, a serious conversation at the table every single year about what it is they're going to do to elevate this game for women in poker. Yeah. So for me, that is the biggest project left on everything yeah. is to just, you know, it's like, you know, it's time to put up and shut up, you know, do it. You for say real. you're going to do it. Now let's do it. And I mean, why not? This is a, to me, a, it just blows my mind every time I, I, consider the fact that for a lot of operators, it's a question that comes up once a year for International Women's Day. (laughs) You know, you're like, there's this huge market that you could be tapping into. Why not? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm not a PR person. I guess that's, that's probably part of it. But what do you think is a question that they're not asking or the thing that they're not doing? Because I feel like, like you say, I know for the last 20 years in poker, I've heard the same questions being asked over and over again. What questions aren't we asking that we should be? I think we should be talking about the matrix in our own environments as mm. to what are the barriers that we have yeah. in our own poker rooms or our own tours or whatever it is that we're offering into the industry that's a barrier. Mm-hmm. And how do we address those barriers and eliminate them so that we can invite women into the game and make it a, a sport that they want to be in? Right. For me, yeah. that's that's a huge conversation, huge conversation. Yeah. And uh, in my last podcast, actually, the last episode of the podcast, I was speaking uh, on this topic as well. And it seemed so key that if you can make the game, if you can take away the barriers for novices, and I mean for women, but also for novices, you're going to be able to attract so many more players. Uh, there just doesn't what seem to be any reason not to. What was very interesting to me. Just on that topic, Kara, Mm. is that I went to the bank the other day and I had to have something notarized and he, on my card, on my, (laughs) this is kind of crazy, but on my debit card, it has a picture of me, my Hall of Fame picture. Okay. Nice. And he goes, oh, check this out. He goes, are you a poker player? And I said, why? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I am. And in that conversation, he was adorable. He said, I love poker and I 
am afraid, and this was a man. He goes, I'm afraid of playing live. I've never mm. sat down at a table in a casino, but I play online and I, you know, he plays the micro limits online. Yeah. He goes, but I love this game. It's so great. It was what, you know, I'm afraid to go and embarrass myself yeah. at the table. So I think that when you talk about a novice, you should really not look at gender. I yeah. agree. Agreed. Yeah. And make opportunities in consistent opportunities, especially for those casinos that have, um, that aren't poker rooms only, the ones mm -hmm. that have casino gaming. And if they could develop programs where they can show those players how to come into a game and this is where you sign up at the podium yeah. and this is how you sit at a table and this is where you buy your chips and this is how you move your chips around the table when you want to bet. And, you know, mm -hmm. those kinds of things, those practicum things are mm. most important for a novice player. And I think that if we address that as well. That would be huge too. Yeah. Honestly, I, I can still remember starting out, like I think I started playing in uh, like 2005 and I was pretty terrified to sit down and play live because I knew I was going to make mistakes. And I don't know, I'd seen people play and I'd watched the tables and I'd been there live and I, I could see that sometimes, you know, there wasn't a lot of patience. And if you make a mistake and then, you, you know, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get embarrassed. And so I kind of got over it and I just did it. And, and I was lucky that I had a lot of friends to kind of support me and help me get through that. But yeah, we need to find a way to make it so it's not quite so scary. And maybe people aren't going to be sitting down for a, you know, a massive whatever buy-in or even like a, a, a thousand or a 1500 buy-in for their first time ever playing poker. So maybe we need some more smaller stakes. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that one of the things that was available when I first started playing and I started playing in the mid nineties to what is available today. Mm -hmm. There are so many rooms that they emphasize no limit hold'em. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think no limit hold'em is probably the worst way to start a player. Uh. I think going back to a two, four limit hold'em game or a two, four, you know, something very affordable. Um, because you're going to make mistakes. And the last yeah. thing you want to do is to have a brand new player sit down with his $100 buy-in <laughs> and he makes a mistake on his first hand and there goes his $100. Well, he's gone. Yeah, it's true. You know, yeah. we want him to be able to sustain the experience. Now, granted, I know that Limit Hold'em is a totally different game than No Limit Hold'em. But I think that if we can look at having newbie games where it is Limit, and with the emphasis that, hey, listen, we understand that No Limit Hold'em is what you're used to or what you've played online or all those mm -hmm. kind of things. But we just want to teach you the mechanics and um, get you very comfortable so that when you move into uh, a riskier game, which is No Limit Hold'em mm -hmm. or something else that's Pot Limit or whatever, that you feel more comfortable and you aren't going to risk your entire bankroll in one hand. Yeah. Yeah. So what what was it that made you as a player want to get into this other side of it as well, like advocating for women in the game, for seniors tours, for, you know, for all of those kinds of things? Why do that? I, I think that, um, well... Um, <laughs> it's kind of, I, I'm that's, I think it's my personality. It's right. Like, I wonder if that was going to be the answer. Yeah. Yeah. This was a... 
I'm kind of the person who enjoys a kind of a challenge. Yeah. You know, it just, that's, that's me in life. So uh-huh. I've never been one to be a very traditional uh, person. I, I don't really, I'm not a great employee because I think that most <laughs> systems that are in, in most traditional companies, mm. you know, don't allow for a person to come in and just be who they are and yeah. be very creative and all those kinds of things. You know, you go in and they give you your job description and they want to peg you into that spot. Mm. Well, I guess because of that and learning my the game in the way that I did, um, I was an observer before I became a player. Mm-hmm. I sat, was the girl that sat behind the boy right. to learn the game. And um, now when I see that in the poker room, I just love it. I go up to the girl and go, you really need to watch him play because you can be the one seated there next. Yeah. I, you know, I tell him I was that girl. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's something I can't resist doing when I see it in a poker room. But having had done that and learning very rapidly about women who were trailblazers. Mm. I, I am in Southern California. The uh, Ocean's Eleven has the California State Ladies Poker Championship, which was the only poker championship for women outside of the World Series Ladies huh. Championship. Um, I was exposed to fantastic women. I mean, I, mm. I met people like uh, Linda Johnson, Jan Fisher, yeah. Susie Isaacs, um, yeah. you know, Marsha Wagner. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about women who've been playing the game and as professionals yeah. for years. And so when I discovered them and I knew nothing about who they were until that point, I thought, my gosh, there is a real deficit of knowledge from these women to what we are exposed to. Mm. So um, I pretty much sat down with them and just picked their brains and uh, said, man, they're, they're phenomenal. And, and they had no fear, you know, at this point, they would sit down in the biggest games um, yeah. and they were having success. And so i just admired them so much. And then I was at the California state ladies poker championship which was this phenomenal four-day experience for every level of player from Mm. the beginner to somebody who was really, you know, experienced. And they did such a good job of making women feel comfortable and making it fun. And it was social on top of being, you know, skillful, Mm -hmm. all those things. And I thought, everybody needs to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody needs to explore, experience this joy because anybody who's ever been to that Ocean's Eleven experience during those years will tell you that that's probably one of the most wonderful poker experiences they've ever experienced. Right. So I was given an opportunity to um, go online. And when I did that, and, and created the Poker Chicks Forum. All those women, I was able to reach them globally through the internet and bring them together. And, and then, you know, and I started that in 2000. Wow. So it wasn't until 2004 that I said, oh my gosh, we need to take this on the road, this experience and take it on the road because I didn't know better. Mm. And um, there was only one other company that was doing third party 
experiences for people. And that was the World Poker Tour. And they right. brought television and personalities <laughs> and all this other stuff. And I didn't bring any of that. <laughs> you know, so I was like, what do you mean we can't do something just for women? What do you no. mean we can't, you know, I mean, there was so many objections huh. to having a tour or having, um, you know, it wasn't even at that time a thought of a tour. It was just bringing women together in, in casinos. Wow. So the shock was, first of all, the objections. And if you give me a challenge, you say no to me, I'm going to find a yes <laughs> somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so I was just blessed with that. Um, the World huh. Poker Tour had started and they had just done a summit with all their properties. And so when they did that summit, uh, I think there was like 12 initial or something like that. I can't remember, somewhere around there. And I, one of them was the Bicycle Casino in Southern California, and they are the sister property hmm. of the Ocean's Eleven. Huh. So by doing that conversation with the marketing director at the time, and her name is, is Kelly O'Hara, mm -hmm. she sat down with me and I told her what I wanted to do, and she absolutely loved the idea. And she picked up the phone and she called all of the properties that she just came home from the, pro you know, from the summit <laughs> of the World Poker Tour and said, this girl's going to call you. Would you please listen to her? Nice. And so they did. And there were several of the properties that said yes and that they would they would take the chance and and join in with the with the Lips Tour at that time. And the other reason that I found out later is that Kelly O'Hara's mother is Billy Brown, who started the California State Ladies Championships oh, at Ocean's wow. Eleven. So if there was never huh. a guided moment, I mean, it was literally, wow. you know, that it was this, it was just a miracle in so many yeah. ways, but literally it was a guided uh, moment. I think that it was a bigger, a bigger, uh, guidance than even I knew, you know, right. at the time. Cause if that doesn't happen, then I mean, poker looks really different. <laughs> it right? was. And yeah. I remember it being very, very different in the time, you know? And yeah. uh, like I didn't, we didn't even have Hold'em when I first started in our, mm. casino, our local casino. It was Stud hmm. and, and Omaha. And so I guess that's probably why I love mixed games, huh? Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. How has your but, experience you know, of the game changed over the decades as well? Because it has changed. I mean, in the time that I've been in poker, it's changed so much. Just, I mean, it, when I used to look at poker magazines, you know, in the early and mid 2000s, it's very different to the way the poker media is now. The images of poker, the way it's marketed, the way it feels even sitting at the table. What has your experience been like in that? The, the changes? Well, I'm, I'm glad to say that women are finally getting exposure. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think that now it's kind of, I, I don't want to say it this way, but it almost is. It's like poker's little darlings. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think they finally, the poker media has finally gotten the message that we don't want naked women sprawled all over a poker table. Right. That's not how you attract women <laughs> to the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but that they are now focusing on the successes of these phenomenal women who are out right. there really killing it. And mm -hmm. to me, even if they don't win, I mean, it's great when they win. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. then it gets plastered everywhere way more than when a guy wins, which I yeah. love. But 
they are looking at the successes, even if they go deep, you know, right. and they're finding out who these women are that are playing now. And, mm-hmm. and th- there's been a lot of women who've now become uh, c- kind of celebrity status, you know, right. just from their journey of, of being tenacious and staying in the game. And yeah. I love that. And, and now, and I, I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention this, but I remember when the only ladies events on the calendar in a year was maybe, you know, five events throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, there are, if you even look at the first quarter of 2024, there's probably already a good, you know, 25 or 30. Right. That's crazy. So that is that has changed a lot too. And and um, I think that rooms are proud of having a ladies series or event or yeah. whatever, and they're marketing it. They still could use some help. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, but, yeah. But, you know, there are organizations now that are willing to pick up the baton and help them market. You yeah. know, the Women's Poker Association does nothing else but celebrate women in poker mm-hmm. and 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 encouraging rooms to, to have a program for women and to yeah. have policies in their room that will prevent abuse of any kind for all players. And right. those are those are strong messages, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the media has really helped the opportunities for women to enter yeah. into the game. I, I agree. I think having role models is incredibly important and having, you know, being able to see women doing, doing the thing really makes you think as a woman, I could do the thing too. And I know that's really basic, but it's very true. When one of the first memories I have in poker and being at the World Series was getting invited to um, Linda Johnson and Jan Fishers for lunch and they made lasagna and it was amazing. And I didn't really know that many people, especially in America. I'd been working in England and in poker for, you know, a couple of years, but I didn't know a lot of Americans and they were so welcoming and so kind. And they'd extended this invitation to me. And I was kind of like blown away that they would even do that, that they would know to do that. And all the way through, I mean, I I got to know them and I just, I mean, they're hilarious and incredible and generous and lovely. And, and all of those things are true. And every time I get to see them, I'm really happy to, but for me, it really was like, yeah, I, I do have a place in the game. I should sit at the table. I absolutely like seeing their pictures and talking to them about the game. It made a big difference to me as someone coming into the game or new, you know, by a couple of years to it at least. So uh, the more, the more different faces of women that, that we can see in the media, I think the better, I think, you know, in the, late 2000s, like, you know, 2010, kind of around then we were seeing a lot of women, but we weren't really seeing as many of the, the regular players. We were seeing more of the sponsored players who might, you know, might be celebrities who were sponsored to play poker as women rather than women who'd been grinding, women who are on the circuit, women who are playing. And now I think we see so much more of that. And I think it's so positive. And I love that. Oh, I absolutely do too. And, you know, there aren't enough superlatives in the dictionary for me to describe Jan and Linda. They are amazing. They have been the most, I think, prominent women in the sport to be able to bring attention to women. Yeah. Period. I mean, not only just 
to women. I mean, you know, bringing online poker into yeah. America, bringing <laughs> the World Poker Tour into America or mm-hmm. into households. You know, I mean, yeah. they were there. They were in the matrix. They were in the, you know, the thick of yeah. everything. And and there is very few people who can say that in the entire industry. Yeah, so, you know, they, to me, they are elevated. They're family to me. I mean, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for those two women holding my hand through so many situations um, and just being encouraging and saying, no, 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 no. And to the point where if I was completely stuck somewhere, mm-hmm. they would pick up the phone for me. And trust yeah. me, nobody not takes a call from them. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, for real. So, so that part is, is, is huge. And I love them dearly. They are lifelong family to me. Yeah. And the other part about the social media is changed everything mm. because now that anybody can be a self promoter and if they're really good at it, they can do live from wherever they're at, you know, or yeah. um, talk about their, their successes and, and then people can share that it has changed everything as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. I mean, I am not, the, I used to feel so confident about my skill set for the internet I mean, thank God that I was um, in a place where I learned a lot about it in the mid 90s, because I don't even think we'd even be where we were, you know, in the beginning of the poker boom, had I not had those skill sets. But I am so terrible now. It's like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I feel like I have to call somebody to say, how do you do this? (laughs) I mean, I I got old. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) It's weird how that happens. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. Because nowadays you have to be um, good at everything. You know, you have to have all of the pieces. You have to know all the different platforms and all that stuff. And I think that it's gotten to be too much for the average person, but I think that um, it has allowed us to have the spotlight on people who are just like you said, the grinders, the the regular people that are out there playing the game. And even if they won, you know, um, a huge hand in a cash game, they can post about it, you know, and show it. And I love that. I love Mm -hmm. seeing success at all levels. Yeah, same. I love that. Um, We're going to dive into some of the questions from this study as we go. We've kind of touched on a few of them already, but uh, the first one I want to talk to you about is what do you feel the most grateful for in your life? We've talked about some of the amazing things that you've gotten to do and the people in your life and all of that, but what would you say is the thing you're most grateful for? Uh, As far as professionally, I feel most grateful for the the journey itself. Mm. I mean, the opportunity to really learn our industry, not just from sitting at a table and and playing the game, but seeing how it works mm-hmm. and, you know, how the back end is and, and how people are so creative and, you know, willing to take risks. People like the poker go people, you know, like they, you know, just so many wonderful people that have come together to make the game better Mm. and being a privileged person to be able to now, now mind you, I am mostly an observer. I have not been engaged in, in a lot of the, the newer things that are happening, but I have been 
and admire, I admire their talents and their courage. And for me, that's huge. I want to see people who have a vision or have an idea to go ahead and pitch it because look at mm. how many things have come and gone in the last 20 years in poker. We can, <laughs> I mean, the list is as long as my arm, Yeah. but they tried it and they did it. And they, even if it wasn't, you know, sustainable or successful, they still came and they still did it. And there are people who are doing it at the smallest levels and at the biggest levels. Mm. And I'm grateful for being a part of it and also to be an observer of it or to even be, mm. I'm a professional cheerleader. That's what I tell everybody. <laughs> I am. That's what I, I tell people too. <laughs> and I watch people play this game and I cheer them on. And yeah. that's mostly what I do, yeah. you know, and I love it. So I'm grateful for that. Huh. Do you think the people that knew you growing up, your family, when you were a kid, do you think they would have been surprised to know that you would be here you know, playing poker, being so involved in the poker industry at this point in your life? <laughs> I come from a very different family thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a real family structure like mm -hmm. the traditional family. Um, we did when I was very little, but it was, I, I, I call it the messed up Brady Bunch because huh. uh, in, it was, you know, the, it, there are 60s and um, my my siblings were way older than me, uh, uh -huh. 10, 15 years, because there were there was a blended family and I was the youngest. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that those being in that position has given me the skill set of a lot of things. I survived my family, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and all the bizarreness. We I've been on my own since I was 12 years old. Wow. So, um, yeah. How do you take care it, it of yourself is, at 12 years old? Uh, you do a lot of things that you probably get arrested for these days. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Honestly, <laughs> you do what you got to do. Yeah, you do what you yeah. got to do and you get yourself into situations that are um, sometimes positive and sometimes not so positive. Yeah. A lot of those things. So now uh, the, the person I'm closest to in my family is my sister, who is four years older than me. Uh -huh. And you couldn't talk about more uh, polar opposites in life. Hmm. I was literally the wild child. I would do anything. I, you know, just out there. And she was extremely conservative and shy and, you know, lived her life in a cocoon. And um, my sister was sure I was going to hell when I... <laughs> Got into poker. <laughs> I can imagine. You know, she's like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, poker oh. has had such a negative um, context yeah. in, in most social circles for so many years, especially for women, you mm -hmm. know, so, um, and then I'm, you know, I'm a Latin, I, I'm, I'm Latina, I'm Mexican, you know, mm -hmm. we do not play poker in a casino, you know, that, that just, <laughs> there were so many things that were layered onto that. So, um, my family really is only my sister now. We've lost pretty much all my siblings. And um, she now goes, wow, you know, I never thought that you would be, that it would turn into something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she goes, it just it shocks her when people out in her social circles who play the game know who I am. Mm, you know, right. and she's like, that is so weird to me because, 
you know, she, she given the the path I was on in my younger years, right? She was sure I was going to be on death row somewhere. You know, oh my gosh, <laughs> you have so many stories. I don't even know right. where to begin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's incredible. One of the questions I normally ask people is like, what is it about your your personality or your history, your childhood that, that has driven you to be successful? And so, yeah, like to be on your own, basically at 12 years old, you must be, a, you know, a cycle breaker, a rule breaker, a survivor, someone who, you know, knows how to get things done. What do you think it is that has kind of driven you to this place to, well, to it's be twofold. so involved? It is twofold. One mm. is you are a survivor. When you, you know, you either rise to the occasion or you don't make it, right? Yeah. So you you have to become a chameleon almost. No matter what your social setting is or mm-hmm. whatever setting you're in, you, you have to adapt. And that is, I think, something that God gave me, you right. know, that ability to be able to, to just kind of observe and to stay afloat whatever it was. And then the second piece is I am an, a most incredibly blessed person on the freaking planet. No. Every single time I would be in a situation, there was always somebody there to give me a hand up, somebody who guided me, somebody who um, said, listen, I don't care whatever it is you do, you do this. And, and that advice that I have received from some beautiful people over my mm. lifetime has always been the saving grace. Hmm. I mean, even from the younger years, you know, it was like, you know, uh, Lupe, I don't care what you do, but just remember, stay in school. You know, that was a consistent thing for me. I mean, I had to get up in the morning. I meant I had to go be accountable to people. You know, I had to learn things that I needed to know, you know, all those things. So school was very, very, very consistent for me. It was the only consistent thing that I had in life. So, being able to go through that. And then people who blessed me, I had my teachers in high school put me in a program for me to go to college. You know, they, they did it. I never signed an application. They forged my freaking name. Okay. So I've been blessed and, and I continue to be blessed and I can't tell you how important it is for people to find those people in their lives that they can help. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you're not only on the planet for yourself, you're on the planet to figure out how you can do good in life. And that is one way. If you find somebody you can mentor, or just if you see somebody and you're proud of them, tell them. If you see somebody who's having some success, go give them an girl, you know, or give them an attaboy. I think that those little things. And I'm not kidding you. Strangers have given me Hmm. blessings, you know? So for me, that is the number one thing in life. It's not just my own experiences and my own ingenuity or whatever it is or courage. It was those people who uplifted me in my lifetime. You strike me as someone who, who always wants to pay it forward. I mean, going into like social work and, uh, you know, all the work that you do in poker as well, advocating for women, starting tours, doing all of that, it seems like that is kind of one of your core values is to pay that forward. Is that, is that right? 100%. And yeah. um, even in, 
even when I'm, you know, they, you know how life is, you know, you have tons of money sometimes and no money sometimes and tons yeah. of money sometimes and then no money sometimes. And I, the one consistent thing I think you have to do in life is you have to give back. Right. And so that, you know, I'm the president of the Poker Gives, Vegas Connected, which is yeah. our, the charitable piece of poker for me. And um, it's like, even if I'm having monetary success, I always have to have something where I'm giving back. And so that's what I do. It's like I, I help anywhere I can. And uh, Poker Gives is a huge part of that. Now, that, that was started by Jan and Linda and Mike Sexton mm -hmm. and Lisa Tanner back in 2008. And then um, when they wanted to retire from it, they handed the baton over to me because I already had a charity running and mm -hmm. we just, we just in, incorporated it into what we were doing and it's important and it's an all volunteer organization. Everybody who works in poker gives is a volunteer. Um, mm -hmm. We have an executive director. We feed the homeless every Monday night, 500 meals. We have a youth program, Vegas youth network where we do all the homeless kids that are in high school and, or, um, the Title I school students who are, need school supplies, we, we do 60,000 of them a year. Hmm. I mean, wow. there's just so much. So we always ask everybody in the poker world, look, we are fortunate to be able to come into a, a, an opportunity to where we can not only enjoy ourselves, but we can make some money at it. So mm -hmm. if you have a good day at the session, don't forget to take a little bit of that money and put, give it away. You know, yeah. it might be in the form of, you know, you poker gifts, give a, give a percentage to the poker gifts because they, with the, the amount of work and uh, blessings that we give out to other people for the smallest amount of money is incredible mm. because we don't have any overhead. Everybody's a volunteer. But the other right. thing is, is stake somebody who's new. Maybe right. it might be, uh, you know, you saw a girl over there who's been, you've been, you know, trying to do something. Just she's, she's terrified to get into a tournament. Give her that $60 to play her first tournament right? You know, or whatever. Just, I believe so strongly. I, I wouldn't be on the planet right now if it wasn't for people giving me opportunities or giving me the advice or whatever it is. So I believe in paying it forward in every way. Yeah. You know, the other day we went to Formula One. <laughs> this is kind of a silly story, <laughs> but my husband and I went to Formula One and um, when we were leaving the hotel uh, after we checked out, there was this couple, little couple, and they were like lost and they couldn't find how to get out to the valet, you know? Yeah. And we were like, are you guys looking for the parking garage? And they're like, yes. And I said, well, come follow us. And we were, it was a long hallway. And I said, are you guys going to the airport? And they said, yeah. And I said, we'll give you a ride. We're locals. Oh. We're just, you know, we'll come give you a ride. They were from South Dakota. At first they were terrified of us. You know, um, <laughs> they took a picture of our, our license plate for, on their phone before they got in the car, which at the, Smart. they yeah, thought that they couldn't, we didn't notice, but we did, you know, but they got in our car. We got from the little 20 minutes from the hotel to the, to the, um, airport. It was a wonderful conversation. We got to meet two people and they said, if you're ever in South Dakota, you know, <laughs> and it's like, that's the kind of things that life is about, you know, yeah. it's just the fun little things. And I'm sure they went back to South Dakota and told their friends about their experience. Oh, you gave them a great story. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I think everybody, if we, if we just remember to do those little things, yeah. it's, it's good. Yeah. So what do you want most out of life? 
for yourself? Like what would make you think, yeah, this, I did this right. I, I, I feel like a success and whatever that means to you. Um, I think that I need to remember that when I touch somebody's life, that I want them to feel good about that experience while they're there. So if I yeah. can touch people and they can leave our experience in a positive way, then I think that I've done it right. Now, am I perfect at that? Hail to the no. <laughs> <laughs> I often, I often, you know, um, I have amazing children and, and people in my circle love my children. And I'm always telling them they're better people than me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's like, because they're, they're very kind and loving and, and it's effortless for them. For me, it's not so effortless. I have to dig deep sometimes. I um, I have to remember to stuff that stuff down, the negative. Mm. And and even though we're you know no relationships are perfect in any way, you know we all even the most wonderful ones, which you know my mate, my all those things, my children. There's yeah. never a hundred percent perfect, but if we can get that needle close to that, then yeah. then that's when I would be considering that when I'm gone, that people say, yeah, I got to meet her and she was great. Yeah. That's important to me. I think that's really beautiful. It reminds me of um, when I was 18, I lived with my best friend's family for a little while and her parents were so good to me and they always had been. She'd been my best friend all the way through kind of junior high and high school. And he died a few years back and I flew back to Canada just for a couple of days to see him in the hospice right before he died. And we were talking and he said that he was so sorry to me. He said, I'm so sorry that I just wasn't a better example. Sometimes I really struggled. I, I got so many things wrong. And his daughter and I were both like, that's just ridiculous. If it was easy, you would not be teaching anything. Like life's not easy. If it's easy and you just walk through it, who's learning? Like nobody's learning anything, right? Absolutely. And that was something. Yeah. And he said, and he said he'd never really thought of it that way. And it really gave him comfort because nobody's perfect. And and yeah, it is hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm sure my child is a better person than me, and I have no doubt of it. <laughs> and yeah. and you know, I do hope things are going to be easy in so many ways for her. But yeah. I feel like there's a lot to be learned through how people live when it's not that easy, you know, when it's not as easy to be good. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're getting quite close to the end, but I wanted to get a couple more in if I can. Um, what is one of your most treasured memories? Oof. I have a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's an amazingly good thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, oh gosh, um, wow, this is, you know what, do you remember that uh, movie, Jerry Maguire, where, where Cody, Cody Gooding Jr. or whatever, he's, he's just already goes, I'm not going to cry. Yes. <laughs> I feel oh, like no. that right now. It's like, oh no, it's, it's so touching. But um, I think the Women in Poker Hall of Fame Oh yeah. Was very special. Yeah. Um, it just took 
it was like a snapshot mm. of a lot of work. And it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They don't so just that give was a treasured away. memory. <laughs> that was, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it is. Because it's the culmination of so much effort and so much work and so much love that you clearly pour into the game and into the people in the game. That's got to be a pretty it amazing was, It was not, but it was not only just for me. I felt like it was, yes, mm. the industry gets it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, this is important. And it was, I finally felt like it was embraced. And it yeah. wasn't just for my recognition. You know, it was bigger than that. It was for everybody. Every, yeah. every woman who's really done something phenomenal for our, our, our industry, who's gotten the recognition and the future women, you know, it, to me, that was like, wow, yeah. this is, this is, it was exciting and, and beautiful and, you know, so it yeah. was a treasured memory, big time. Ah, that's beautiful. So what is the, what is your next kind of big challenge or what is the thing that you're doing right now that is really exciting you? What, what is the next step? Oh, I'm making a decision right now. It's, um, you know, like I said, I'm 65 and I want to, you know, the exit strategy and yeah, what, yeah. what's the mark that you want to leave before you're done. And I kind of feel like I've got that five-year plan because mm -hmm. heaven knows I don't want to be working after 70. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I kind of want to do one or two last things. Uh -huh. And um, one of them, of course, is I kind of want, you know, whenever you work on a project, you want to tie it up in a bow and present it when you're passing it off to the next people, right? Mm -hmm, of course. And, um, and I'm kind of excited because I feel like the Women's Poker Association, you know, I, I was involved in, in the foundation of it and, and all that kind of stuff. And then I knew that it would never have legs if I stayed. So a couple of years ago, I stepped down. After mm -hmm. five years, I stepped down. And now it's a whole new regime. So I feel like that was a, you know, one of those moments where we passed it on. And yeah. I hope, for me, it's like, I want this, this silliness of competition between groups to end. Right. It has to. Because, you know, now, now granted I'm biased, but I think the Women's Poker Association is an association for all players. It's right. not in competition with anything else. Mm -hmm. It is literally for everyone. And um, it, it, it can stand alongside any other women's group, any yeah. women's group. And I want them to, to, I want all women's groups and all women in the game to recognize that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care if you're part of A, B, or C group, you can still be part of this one. You're embraced. You're, you know, your yeah. voice is, is important. So that for me, I want that to be eliminated. Yeah. It's, it's a big it's task. It's very difficult sometimes to do that. Yeah. It's kind of like, 
having all the soda companies come together <laughs> just to promote soda. Right. You know, not their brand, just soda. <laughs> That's a big ask. It really is. But I think that would be incredible. And imagine what we could get done. Yes, it yeah. is. It is a big ask. But mm. I think the more, and if there was never a full circle of things, my professional life before poker was in a um, developing collaboratives in healthcare, social services, uh -huh. and education. So I know how to build collaboratives. And that's my next thing is I want to create some collaboratives yeah. where people can come together for the betterment of the industry and not just their own proprietary brand. Yeah. And it is that's very exciting. difficult. I, it makes me crazy when <laughs> somebody is at the table and they walk away because somebody else sat at the table too. Right. So I think that that's going to be my next major thing is to just work on the collaborative thing that we have, which is hmm. the sport in general. You know, okay, to, so you're, um, you're aiming high. You're not, <laughs> you're not giving care. yourself something soft. You know soft. what? I am, I am a, maybe not physically, but I am a mountain climber. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. And I love I that. I don't mind a hard, a hard ask and a hard task, yeah. you know, um, but it is, and I am aiming high and it's been, I want to start small and I want to start with women. You know, I, yeah. I want to, I want to be able to, uh, I'm working on right now a women's poker conference that is a collaborative um, venture and it will benefit poker gives might as well make it for something good. Nice. Right. Yeah. And um, that I want industry people and players alike to come together and really talk about what it is that we can do and how we can do it together hmm. to make it happen for women in the game, period. So that is, that is a goal for 2024. Nice. Well, I think everything's in 2024 because it's my 20 year anniversary of the lips tour. And wow, you know, I know, right. That's a big, that's <laughs> a big year. My gosh. It is. And we're going to be doing a anniversary tour, uh, 20 stops for 20 years. Nice. And, uh, so that's a, that's a, that in itself is a big task, but yeah. in, to incorporate into that, I also want to do this, this conference in the year, because I think it's, a <laughs> it's time. The conversation's yeah. there, you know, people are ready to, to hear it and to work on something yeah. bigger for women in the game. Yeah. Well, that is a great place to stop. That was our last question. Thank Woo. you so much for being game to come and do this and for being my final guest. I really oh, appreciate Kara. it. Well, we're going to miss your podcast. You've done such a phenomenal job over these years. And, oh, you know, you. It's, it's a joy. You know, I got to before if I could take a minute before, yeah. before we're done. So one day, and this is when I was now seven years ago, okay, because uh -huh. I know it very well because I've been together with my man for seven years. Nice. And we were in the beginning stages of our dating. And we, I'm a big avid baseball fan. Uh -huh. And so I don't like to watch things alone. So I would go to the sports, uh, sports bars and watch my baseball games. Mm -hmm. And um, I was dating him. And 
I said, listen, if you want to date me, you got to, first of all, like sports. And second of all, <laughs> you got to meet me over at this sports bar because I'm going to be watching the game if you want to come. So it was like our third or fourth, you know, date. And so he came and we're sitting there and we were kind of off to the side and it had two, side. I mean, I was in heaven there. It had side by side uh, video screens. One of them was the game that I was watching and the other one was the World Series. Oh, and you were commentating. <laughs> and and we were sitting there and I guess it was you guys were talking about who you would like to see in uh as a candidate for the Hall of Fame the yeah. Poker Hall of Fame and you threw my name on the screen yeah okay when you did that <laughs> first of all it really elevated my date let me just oh. say <laughs> hey you're welcome <laughs> and then secondly my phone blew up oh. I mean Everybody was like, oh, my gosh, did you see this? And, so, and I was like, you know, that Kara, I'm going to have to give her a gold star. <laughs> she has no idea oh, man. <laughs> what that did. And, and I, you know, I appreciated it. It was so beautiful. And, you know, I just loved you for it. And, and you know, Aww. I think that it, you have done such a great job for women just by being who you are and what you've done in this industry. And my hat is totally off to Aww. you. Thank you. That's so kind. I mean, when we talk about builders in poker for the Hall of Fame ballots, I, I mean, your name is just there. It needs to be there. And I, and I say that and I still say that today. And, and thank you. I appreciate that. And what a great, I'm so glad I could be, you know, of service um, <laughs> and help, uh, you know, give you a little boost on the date. Not that you needed it, obviously, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got the ring on the finger now. <laughs> oh, nicely done. <laughs> Oh, boy, it's kind of hard to say goodbye for the last time for everyone, but I, I do actually have to. But before I do actually sign off for the last time on the Heart of Poker podcast, um, I want to say thank you to all of my guests over the years, including you, Lupe. I have real admiration for the way so many people have opened up and answered my sometimes impertinent <laughs> and often very personal questions. And I've so loved getting to know all of the guests better. And I'm so glad that the poker world has had the chance to do that as well. And of course, thanks to 8 at 8 Poker who have sponsored this podcast. And most of all, thank you all the listeners for joining me for the past four years. Now go out there, ask more big questions. This has been The Heart of Poker. I'm Kara Scott. Thank you for listening. Thank you.